Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Sean, winter has set in. Well, not winter, but the, the depth of fall. We've had that change of temperature, change of feel in the air, change of time. Because at night it feels like at seven, like seven o'clock, it feels like it should be nine thirty or ten o'clock for some reason. And it's just our bodies readjusting. But how are you on this fine fall morning? I'm doing well. I got to. Uh see ice on the windshield that's that tells me that the times are changing and by the time we start here the sun will start coming up so it's kind of like that time change but not doing too bad just see where y'all will take us on the conversation this morning yeah this is i this is something that is a big aspect for anybody who is seeking god with all of their heart who want to know the truth of God, this aspect uh, in a relationship of cherishing somebody and respecting somebody, cherish a woman and respect a man. And it's important for people to understand that what actually cherishing and respect are, because cherishing and respect are not they are not coddling if and unfortunately we live in a world that's all about me and people don't realize it because this has been a slow fade over a long period of time uh, that we just continually get more selfish and more selfish over time unless you find that faith in god you die to yourself you die to your selfishness and then you start improving and increasing in doing what you do truly for the right reason and because it's right for the other person not to just do it because well in your subconscious you do everything you do for self anyway and again that's why the bible says love your neighbor as yourself because god knows that you're doing everything for yourself and Doing things for self is okay. Doing things for selfishness is is not okay, and that's what we want to get away from and die to because ultimately love is you doing what's best for everybody, which includes yourself. Uh, it's not that you do something to somebody else because it makes you feel good or it makes you... Um, it makes you feel like you're getting respected or you're whatever it is that you're doing. So, um, and you can just see it, just look on social media, look all around. You see people who, uh, they'll, they'll post videos of, <clears throat> they just got married and you know, it's all this great happy and, and bliss because we just got married and a year later they're divorced. I mean, prominent, uh, some of the prominent, prominent podcasters, you see that. And it's a shame because people, are too quick to feel the desire of having a man or a woman and not quick enough to evaluate and make sure that this is going to be a long-lasting thing. And not every relationship has to be in a dating period for five years. Now, with me and my wife, we were almost five years uh, before we got married. But in five years, you get to know a little bit more about that person, but really it boils down to a choice. Love is not something you fall into this grand feeling. 
yes, you can get good feelings from it, but love is a choice. Because even though I knew my wife for five years before we got married, that still didn't change the fact that we still had those pains and struggles in marriage and had them all the way up to the point that we started seeking God with all of our heart, which, you know, we got married in 91 and it wasn't until uh, 1991 and it wasn't until 2014 that we actually were on the same page pushing in the same direction and figuring out that uh, we really, we had been saying we loved each other all along, but we didn't really love each other. We hadn't made the mindset that from God's perspective, what I do for you, I'm doing it because it's best for you. And what she does for me is what's best for me. And if we're both following God and walking in the love of God, then that is the best thing. It doesn't always feel good. It's not always this feel good feeling that you have. So just putting in the the difference that coddling is people want to be coddled. Okay. They, they, they don't, want to be cherished or respected. They want you to just agree with them and do what they say. And it, this works on both sides of the aisle. This is not a woman problem. This is not a man problem. This is mankind problem built in years and years of the enemy, bringing division in between men and women and even changing things that in the, I've heard people say, uh, in this day and age that, well, men just aren't emotional. Women are emotional. Men aren't. And men think that women think that, and they don't realize that in the past, the, the women and men of the old Testament, the men were softer that they didn't have this programming of, you've got to be this brute beast, this hard, uh, me hunter, I hunt, uh, type of mentality. And, Women weren't always just, you know, breaking down at every turn. Women were a whole lot harder. And this is not a bad thing when it comes to their emotional life. And men were a lot softer when it comes to the emotional life. And it, it was okay to, to cry and it was okay to uh, express your emotions from an appropriate perspective. But as time continues to go on, we deteriorate. Somehow we think that we live in this world and people think that, well, we're getting smarter and smarter because look at all the technology and all this. So we're getting smarter than they were back in the past. And the reality is, is no, this technology dumps us down. It, it gets us to not use our brains like we should. And so the same concept, I don't want to get off on that, but same concept goes over to these concepts of men need to learn how to be more emotional. I'm not talking about an out of control emotion. I'm talking about a controlled emotion, just like God says uh, for us to be self-controlled. So when you're, when they're truly sad and there's a reason to display emotion then display it, but you know, as well as I do that as guys raised in this world, you're, you're not, I, uh, expected that you're going to cry or you're going to show weakness uh, because then people will call you the sissy or the pansy or the, uh, and I mean, even to the degree that they put it in movies, if you remember you know, with the, the one, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember the line. They, they, they used the line in the movie is a kid's movie uh, about the, the, uh, they were calling the people the pansies. It was the, the monkeys. I guess it was the monkey, the ape. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I'll just go on. <laughs> I think may, maybe it was Madagascar. But anyway, I, anyway, we view people from a certain standpoint, depending on how they display emotions. And the reality is, is that, uh, and this isn't a, a complete across the board because there are some men that actually are the complete opposite where they 
uh, go to extreme in uh, expressing emotion. But most, most are uh, on the other side of we don't show emotion. You don't uh, break down like that. And it's, it's a shame because what that does is it builds up. You suppress those emotions. And then when they finally do come out, they're out of control. It's the the pressure cooker thing. And uh, women, a lot of times they feel like, well, I've got the, 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 I've got a reason to, I'm supposed to display my emotions. So you, you have to accept the fact and, and they, do it to the extreme overboard. And there's always exceptions to the rule in that perspective. And when we talk about this, we're talking more of a general, a generalization, not a absolute everybody perspective, because if there's a girl who grew up in a family without a mother and she's, she was around mainly men, then she's going to have more of the tendency to be that tough, uh, that tough exterior. And then, if you have a, a guy who grew up around the mother that he's going to tend to have more of that uh, emotional outburst. And the objective is, is that we just find a balance in it. It's not, there's nothing wrong with displaying emotion because uh, laughter is an emotion and men will have no problem displaying laughter and anger because those are ones that are that, that, well, that's appropriate, but no, we're, we're allowed to be soft. We, I. Uh, we are created from the same being, both man and woman. And the objective in everything we talk about is finding a balance in the midst of it. And so in this day and age, you see, you see uh, where women are wanting this, they, they're wanting this uh, special relationship and they don't understand why uh, guys won't call them. They've been divorced and, you know, well, this is, life is just over. And first off, life's not over unless you uh, don't have faith in God. And you have faith in God, then you view things from a different viewpoint. But uh, you see it in your life. People want to be coddled. They want you to do what they want you to do because it's they think it's going to make them feel better. Where the reality is, is that, yes, sometimes you do things that make them feel good because you, you want them to be happy. But in order for them to be happy, they have to be comfortable with who they are, what they do, why they do it. And therefore, sometimes you have to bring in an aspect of, hey, you're wrong in this. If you correct this, you'll find out that your life will be better and you'll be better off. But don't, if you're, you're a woman, don't expect to be coddled because that's the expectation in the world. And if I don't get coddled, well, you don't love me and you're not, you're not treating me right. And so we're, we're going to get divorced. And this is not a woman thing. It's a, it's the respect perspective for a man. Uh, well, you're not doing, I thought you were supposed to be my trophy and you're supposed to do what, what I want you to do. And ultimately what men don't realize, and this is a big issue that is part of a marriage relationship that men don't realize is that you truly didn't marry your wife for a marriage relationship. You married your wife to try to gain your mother. Now, not that you would have the physical relationship with your mother, but outside of that, men don't see it, that they're expecting that she's going to be like your mother. That's part of your programming. That's what you saw. That's the female aspect you were around. She was a mother. She was overshadowing you, and she was uh, protecting you, and she was cooking your meals or doing, you know, doing all this stuff for you. And again, we, we know there is some on the other side of the aisle, but this is a general, a general perspective. And so you're looking for her and you don't even realize that you want her to be the one who's going to do what you want her to do, what you think is best for you. And that's what your mom is about. And marriage relationships 
should not be about one or the other trying to see the other as a, a, a dad or a mom, but it's programmed into you so you don't recognize you're doing it. If you grew up and your mom did all the laundry and your mom did all the cooking, well, you're going to get into a, a place where you're looking for a woman who's going to do all of your laundry and do all of the cooking. And you can modify that a little bit, from a, but from the general sense, you will be looking for somebody who's just like your mother. And unfortunately, it's not fair for her for you to ex- have that expectation because she's not your mother. She's your wife. And it's meant that you both learn how to be balanced in the midst of it. And so this is just really important that people understand that just because you want something and don't get it doesn't mean somebody's not cherishing you or respecting you. You have to go back to the evaluation of, is this what's best for me? Is this necessary? If you can tell her she's doing something wrong, can she tell you you're doing something wrong? And then if either one or the other bring it up, you don't bring it up to lord it over them. You just bring it up to bring it to the attention, say that, you know, hey, you probably ought to look into this. And if you do that, there won't be any fight. There won't be any quarrel. There won't be any raising of the voice because you're upset because she told you something you didn't want to hear. Well, if it's what I need to hear, that's what I want to hear. But in order to do this, you have to have the fullness of faith in God to have died to selfishness. And then both parties can start working in to figure out how do I love my wife as my wife and stop loving my wife as my mother? Because when she doesn't do the things that my mother did, then I'm going to say, well, she doesn't love me. And while she doesn't love me, there's no reason for us to be together. So we get divorced where if people realize that love is a choice, not something you fall in and out of, and that that choice should be made carefully, but made with the mindset that it doesn't matter what happens. We'll never get divorced. I'm choosing to love you. And that means I love you with your, your faults along with the, the good things that I, I like about you. And this isn't an aspect that you can't do good things for the other person. It's what your desire should be, but your focus needs to be on, is this best for the other person? Less me. That, that way I humble myself. I put myself under that other person. And even if it puts me in a different position from me, I'm okay with that because I want you to feel like you're uh, cherished or you're uh, taken care of. But I couldn't do that in the first part of our marriage. It was, uh, it was an impossibility because I didn't have the full faith in God. And I even had to come to the realization that when I got married to my wife in 1991, that I didn't love her. I loved me and because when she did things that I didn't like, that's when you get mad or you get upset or you get uh, irate about something. So just I thought this was pretty cool for Mother to bring this aspect up because we see it in the world and if people truly want to heal in a relationship, if they truly want to know, they're going to have to find the true faith in God so that they can get away from doing things for self. And this is a thing that I continually still dig in and look into when I'm doing something. Am I doing this for her or am I doing it for me? If you sacrifice, which means you're going to receive a little bit of pain or uh, discomfort, then more than likely you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for the other person. And this works on both sides of the aisle as well. But you have to get to a point where you recognize that you are the most selfish person on the earth. And everybody who doesn't have faith in God has to look at it from the same perspective. So you stop pointing the finger at somebody else and 
you keep that finger on you. I don't care what she does. I chose that I'm going to love her and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what's best for her regardless of whether she likes it or not. I'm not doing it with ill intention, that intention of harm. No, actually, I'm doing it because I want us to be able to have good flowing conversations and I want to be able to have a good, strong relationship. But in order to do that, sometimes she has to point out to me something and sometimes I have to point out something to her. And the objective is, is it doesn't matter who points something out to you is that you take the evaluation and say, okay, well, somebody sees this. Let me make sure that what I'm doing is right and appropriate according to God. That removes any arguments because, oh, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to talk to God about it. I'm going to work it out. And when I work it out, then uh, if there's something I need to change, I'll change it. If Yah doesn't give me something to change, well, I don't really need to change it at this point. You know, sometime down the road, y'all may say, okay, well, since we got past this other thing, now we're going to focus on that. But the whole intention of what we do is about just obedience to Yah and doing what they want us to do. And so we need to definitely get away from the coddling perspective and you will coddle somebody else in hopes that they'll coddle you. Because, well, if I do this for her, then she'll feel good and then she'll reciprocate that. Well, that's not for the right reason. If you're going to do something for somebody, do it truly because you really want to do it. But in order to do that, you have to dig into your subconscious and figure out how selfish you really are and realize that without faith in God, you cannot be selfless because Everything you do in your heart, there's a reason in your subconscious. And because it's in the subconscious and you haven't dug it up, you don't know why you did it. You think you did it because you want to be nice to that person. But in reality, you did it for yourself. You get some personal gain out of it. And I'm not going to say that you shouldn't get personal gain out of uh, respecting somebody or cherishing somebody. Because there is a personal gain, but it's not intended as though this is for me. No, it's for us so that we work together in it. I'm going to do a, I've been told that I do this often with taking something and doing the reverse. So I'll share what came to mind with this. I had the thought about women wanting to be respected and men wanting to be cherished. And just thinking about that, that, and right now we don't have a woman with us in the room to give the woman's perspective. I'll give the, since I'm a man, I'll give the man's perspective that how much time is spent with you wanting the other person to change or to respect you and you get frustrated. And I'll just be for me, you get frustrated because you don't get the respect that you think you deserve. So you get mad and frustrated is why doesn't the other person do something different? Why don't they change? And I can see women on the other side getting frustrated at their husband. Why don't I understand why he doesn't cherish me and respect me? Because when am I just an object for sexual pleasure? Am I just a puppet? Am I just, um, your maid, your servant, whatever, whatever thoughts that people would have. And I had this thought that because we're the goal here is to talk to people that are seeking after a relationship with Yah, seeking with all their heart and wanting to know the actual true aspect of being a man, godly man and a godly woman. And if I want respect from somebody, then I've got to be respectable meaning I've got to actually be having the behavior of being able to be respected by somebody else. And if you think about this, do we really want to be respected? I'll just speak for as a man. Do I really want to be respected by somebody else if I'm not doing what is right? Because you can be, you can get respect from people and you're not doing what's right. And we talked about this before. You could be a criminal that you want respect by, I'm going to build this big 
criminal empire or whatever I'm doing and, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get respect from people and people will respect that person. But for me, just sitting there thinking about it, that I want to get respect from somebody because I'm respectable and I'm doing what is right. Not just give me respect because I deserve it. Well, but do I deserve respect if I'm not doing what is right? If I'm just living like anybody else in the world, is that really something I should be getting respect for? So it made me think of if you want to be respected by other people, then you act in a way that is worthy of respect. It's just like if you want somebody to trust you, be trustworthy. Show them that you are able to be trusted by them, and then that person has the ability to then trust you. It's the same thing with respect. If so many times I just know for me as you get, I've gotten frustrated because I want people to respect me. But instead of focusing on what the other person is not doing, how about I focus on me and doing what is respectable in the eyes of Yah, and then therefore the people of Yah that agree with Yah will respect me. And not only that, even better for Yah themselves to respect me or to trust me. So for those listening in that really dig in and ask Yah for help on, on if you're a man or a woman to what is it, Yah, that you want me to do? What is it that I can change to be a godly man, a godly woman and cry out for insight, call out for understanding with Yah on how to figure out how to be what they want you to be. And then with that, we have the best opportunity for men to have respect from women and from women to have cherishing from men. But uh, it's just coming to my mind that so much of my time has been in wanting somebody else to change instead of you do what is right. You'll be accepted by God. And then when the other person, when they turn to God or whomever it would be, then they are able to respect the other person from a godly manner instead of just, I just want respect. Well, you can go out and get respect from people that would agree with you, but you do what is right. There's going to be people that don't respect you that even you would have some kind of acquaintance with. So I'm seeing this as just uh, sitting here listening to this, that we had talked about this on a podcast that dig in to figure out as a godly man, as a godly woman, what is it that your responsibilities are according to the truth and walk in that that's the best place to find the cherishing on the women's side and the respect on the men's side. And with this, that it could very well be that the respect that women are looking for is the cherishing and the cherishing that men are looking for is because when you're respected, you feel cherished. And when you're cherished, you feel respected. So these, these go together. It's just a different uh, mindset that really, if you think about it, the, the best thing for all around is just like you said, you have the fullness of faith in Yah, you have circumcision of the heart, you have sin out of your lower conscience. So therefore you can really get these concepts from your mind to your lower conscience, your conscious mind to a lower conscience mind, and you can start actually putting this in the muscle memory. And then you can have the best opportunity to be respectable, to be cherishable, and just really from both sides so that men and women can work together. And, and we talked about this before, that submission is about willful cooperation, that the man and the woman will willfully cooperate together and live in harmony because only with God can you really live in harmony because without that, the selfishness is just going to overrule each side until each person puts selfishness to death and you still have a process of getting the selfishness out of your lower conscience. But your mindsets now are, are love and the best thing for each person is to love the person, which is doing what is best for everybody involved. Because with that concept, what Yah does, they do what is best for them as well. Because if not, it wouldn't be love that, but they're doing what's best for everybody involved that they sent Messiah and him doing his work, that that's the best for them. And it's the best for everybody because this is the best way to reconcile people to God. And it's the best way for Yah to live with the people that are with them. So this concept is just, it's really taking me back to 
within the regards of respect and cherishing is really look to dig into from the godly perspective. How do you cherish a woman? How do you respect a man? Vice versa, instead of you just attempting to figure it out, just saying, well, I'll just do this or I'll just do that. And then that'll just change everything for the better. Yeah. But without, yeah, helping you for you to actually see what is it, how do I live a life as a man that's respectable? If you don't know how to do that, then you may seem that you're getting respect, but you're really getting respect from somebody for, for the right reason. Cause for us, I'm just sitting there thinking about it, that do I want to be respected by people for not doing what is right? No, I want to be, if I get respected by people, I want it to be that because I'm living a respectable godly life, not just because Hitler had respect from people, but is that the life that you want to live in faith? No. So this is just, and and for this, just like any concept we get with circular things, this is, there's a depth to this. This isn't just that you just listen to this podcast and all of a sudden you're, you're cherishing your wife or you're all of a sudden you're respecting your husband. Well, you can change your mind to do things, but, but knowing the truth of God and from God's perspective, how this works is the best way to have the success in this because without, without faith in Yah, you're not going to be able to achieve any of this from a right perspective. You're, you're just going to, you could, for example, like as a man, you could yell and scream at people to I'm, respect me. You better respect me. And no, people are just fearing you. They're not respecting you or I'll do this for a man so that I'll be cherished. But then you find out you're not really being cherished. You're just giving the man what he wants. And then he just continues into selfishness. So it's important to understand from God's perspective, what is a cherishing and a respect? Right. Because you don't, like you were just saying, you don't get respect by giving respect. You you get respect by lining yourself up with being respectable. Well, that's... Let me add just, ahead. you get respect by living respect, meaning that you're, because you and I are a mirror. So how do you show somebody respect that they see, oh, you're living a life of respect because you're doing what's best for me. I, hey, thank you for that. I respect that. I I really like that. But if you don't show that, then how can somebody see what, if us in faith, if we don't show somebody by living it what faith is, then they can't see what faith is. All they get is people telling them, but it's so much better to show somebody and then be able to tell them, than just give them the words. And then, because then they'll say, well, you're a hypocrite because you're telling me this, but then I can clearly see by your actions that you are not lining up with what you just told me to do. And I don't respect that, for example. Right. And it's not just the respect perspective that if you want to be cherished, you have to be cherished able. You have to be cherishable. Uh, So if you want to be cherished, you have to position yourself to be cherished and you can start this journey I uh, really, truly start the journey when you're seeking God with all of your heart. That was when, when I started to seek God with all of my heart, that's when I realized, had the realization that in the years that me and my wife had been married, that prior to 2014, that, or it was probably, yeah, the beginning of 2014, that I, I realized that I didn't love my wife. I didn't marry her because I loved her. I married her because of what I was getting <clears throat> from that. And coming to that realization, I sat down and I told her, I said, you need to know that I have not loved you up until this point. But at this point, I'm making a solemn vow and change that I'm going to love you. Uh, I that it's a choice that I choose to love you. And again, you, we have to work through the process. Like you were talking about, it's not something that you say one day and the next day it's done. I uh, know because for you to achieve anything, remember you have to, your willingness to achieve or accomplish the goal has to be greater than any, uh, any pain, any suffering, any struggle that you would go through your desire to have that change 
is what will give you the ability to overcome when it does get hard, when it does get difficult, when you are struggling against yourself, uh, the battle within you, the will that you have against your conscious mind, against your subconscious mind. And it is a battle. And a key factor is the selfish aspect that you, when you start seeking God with all of your heart, you start dying to yourself. When you get to circumcision of the heart, you have crucified yourself with Christ. You have crucified the selfishness, and then you're able to uh, then move on to continue to get out of your subconscious, the selfishness, keeping the selflessness in your conscious mind, and then you dig in, and whenever you see that something you did was for self and self alone, no, that's not appropriate. I'm not going to do that. I am not selfish anymore. And through uh, repetition and time, that will change. As you practice being selfless, you will be selfless. And there are people out there who say, well, I buy gifts for people and, and I do good things for them. If you don't, if you're not seeking God with all of your heart, you have a ulterior motive. You have a reason within your subconscious that you can't see that you're doing it because you get some sort of self-satisfaction out of it. And in this process, if you're doing it right, you will get self-satisfaction because you're doing it right. When you pour out your heart to somebody in to help them, even though they're receiving it as they think it's a bad thing and you're, you're being mean. Here's where the difference is. Here's where uh, clues that you can see within yourself that'll help you to see whether it's selfish or not. If you start getting frustrated, upset and angry, okay, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're doing it for self. But if you're doing it for that person and what you feel is compassion and sorrow because I'm doing what's best for you and you're rejecting it, but I'm not going to force it because if you don't want it, then I can't help you anyway. And so there's a, you have that compassion and that uh, understanding perspective and it doesn't drive you to be mad at that person. It, it just drives you to have that compassion for them uh, and that's a, a huge thing, but you've got to be able to do that evaluation. And we want to, we want to look back to the old covenant and look at the way that men and women lived their lives and what they did, the ones that were godly men and women, because we're not going to please the world. That's not our goal to please the world. Our goal is to uh, love the world, which means we're going to do what's best for you. So if we get in a conversation and y'all tells me to uh, bring something to your attention, then I'm going to do it, but then I'm going to leave it alone. And then if you reject it, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get frustrated. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be, wow, they don't really understand it. That's coming from God. And so you have that compassion rather than contempt. And that's a, a big key factor in looking at when you do something for somebody else, because the objective goal should always be that I'm doing this for you, not from a selfish perspective, but no, truly this, this is what's best. I know this is what's best for you. So that's what I'm going to do. Just had a, the word of God come to mind with when you mentioned that, that you love the world and the word says that Messiah's words that Yah so loved the world, meaning that they love their creation, that they gave their only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, given the gospel message there that if you believe in Messiah, then he's your Lord. And because he's your Lord, you'll walk as he did. You will crucify yourself, your selfishness with him. You'll drink of his blood. You'll eat of his flesh. 
you'll obey his commands, you'll do what the old covenant says. So in that statement, people will say, God loves you. Well, God is love, meaning that they've given the opportunity for you to have salvation because that's the best for you and for everybody. But for you to benefit from the love of God, that you've got to be in Messiah because in Messiah that Yah is well pleased. Well, that's the best place to benefit from what God does. And I just, just that people would just throw Bible verses around, but do you really understand that aspect that if you think about it, if you're respecting God, then the best way to respect Yah is to walk as Messiah did that he even told him his own son, that this is our beloved son in whom we're well pleased. Well, you want respect from God. You want cherishing from God, then be cherishable, be respectable. And the best way to do that is to obey their commands, to walk in their ways, to walk as their son, because you, you can't get any better example than Messiah, the son of God, Yeshua. So walk is that. So really, and we've said this before, that Yah is the desire of all nations, that you want respect and you want cherishing. Ultimately, you want that from Yah. So the best way to get it from Yah is to obey their commands, trust and obey. And then therefore, somebody that is seeking after that same thing, that that man or woman will be drawn to the other man or woman that is doing those things. So really the best way to get, and people don't recognize this because it's in your lower conscience, but really you're wanting to be accepted by God because you don't want to be punished because you know you're going to be because of your sin. And you just want to be accepted by everybody around. But ultimately, if you're accepted by God now, I know I'm accepted. It just came to mind with you mentioning that scripture that Yah does love the world. They do love their creation enough to send their son so that the best thing for you is to escape the life of death and corruption and find the way of life that is in our son. So that's the best for you and it's best for us to give our son. Because if we don't do that, then you're not getting the best for you because you have no hope of salvation and you're just, you'll end up in hell and y'all no, that's not the best for you. So just thinking about this from Yah's perspective that people could complain and get upset and, and argue with God and say, you're not doing what's best for me, but no, you don't understand that if we didn't by our grace, put a door in place, which is our son, then the absolute worst would happen to you because you have no hope and you would burn eternal. But because of selfishness, we just, well, I don't understand this or, well, we know that God is perfect, but sometimes we may not understand what God does. Well, but if you don't understand what God does, then that's not a God problem. It's a, a you problem. So the best way for men and women to get respect and cherishing is seek God with all your heart and get that from God. And ultimately that's the fulfillment, but yes, this is, yes, you can get fulfillment from your husband or wife, but really that ultimate fulfillment. And I'll just go to you and Cindy that your ultimate fulfillment should not be in each other. It's in Yah, but when you are fulfilled in Yah, then you will be. So it trickles down. It's to Yah first. And then that will give the best way for you all to cherish and respect each other. Right. Cause you get that ultimate, uh, cherishing and respect from God. And then when both of you have it, then you're able to have the fullness of it. It starts with God first. And so we have to uh, figure out in, from a faith perspective, how to love and cherish God first. And that's part of your proving, uh, your proving ground in the repentance perspective where you're being tested in it, that are you doing what's best for God or are you doing what you think is best for you? And the objective goal is make sure you're doing what's best for God. And then when he or she's doing what's best for God, then each, each one will be doing what's best for the other. Now we still work through getting rid of the selfishness and the subconscious that we don't see that we just continually ask God, help me to see if I'm doing something for uh, the wrong reason. Let me see it. So let me see it before I do it so that I don't get 
into that, uh, but it's just uh, it's important. There's also an aspect that faith gives you a good opportunity to walk in this, and we have good examples from the past. We have uh, Abraham and Sarah. We have uh, Ruth and Boaz. Um, ma- many examples of ones who had faith in God that were living the godly life. Here's what's interesting, that we have something that we can accomplish here that the Old Testament saints didn't. And when we talk about repentance, obedience, and trust, they could not trust God to the fullness without mother in their heart without circumcision of the heart, because mother is that trust aspect. And this is why you would see Abraham with Sarah when they went into uh, Egypt and would tell Sarah that, well, tell them that you're my sister so that they'll be favorable to me. Well, they didn't have, he trusted God, but he didn't have that, that ability to fully trust God because the circumcision of the heart didn't come to him till after Messiah had done his work here. And so when you look at that, he was not trusting that, well, God's with us and God told us that this is what we're going to do. So God's going to, God's going to take care of it. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be protected. I'm going to be here as long as God wants me to be here. And so circumcision of the heart gives us, the ability to trust so that we don't walk into the same position to say, oh, tell your wife, to, we're going in this this gang here and uh, I tell, you, you tell them you're my sister so they'll be favored, favorable to me. No, I, I if God wants me to walk in the midst of that group or us to walk in it, then no, I'm going to trust that God knows what they're doing regardless of the outcome and that's what I'm going to do. On both sides of the aisle here, there's one key factor that is necessary, and that is faith. For you to love your wife like Christ loved the church, you have to have faith in God. For you to respect your husband, you have to have faith in God. And loving your wife like Christ loved the church is cherishing. He, he cherished the church. And even in the word speaking, washing with water through the word. So if I'm going to, uh, if I feel like I need to bring something to the attention of my wife, I'm going to do it through the word of God so that I'm cleansing her with washing through the water of the word, not trying to cleanse her with washing her th- with the water that I have that of what I want, which is muddied water, and I'm not really going to be able to clean her anyway. But the objective is, is always about the word of God and the truth of God and just present it. It's not a shove it down their throat type perspective. So if you want to be respected, uh, you have to want to be respected from the right position. If somebody who doesn't have faith in God or doesn't want to have faith in God are not going to seek to be respected from a godly perspective. Nor is a woman on the other side if, if she doesn't want to have anything to do with God. But if you want to be respected in the right, fair, and just, and true way, and you want to be cherished in that same way, then both parties have to have the fullness of faith or or have to be seeking with all of their heart, which will lead to the fullness of faith because you can cherish your wife by loving her, by doing what is best for her, but she can't see it as cherishing. Okay. She's not seeing you as cherishing, so we're, uh, I, 
I don't know. I guess we're going to stop because I don't know if we're being heard anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure if anybody can hear us. We just had Cindy came in and said she couldn't hear us. I don't know. Maybe if it's just a internet issue or don't know. Or could be that we've spoken what y'all wanted us to speak and could very well be that too. Yeah, that's fine. Well, because we covered a lot. I mean, we've covered because really some of this is you have to dig into the word to figure it out to where really the, the main aspect of this has been presented. So could very well be that very, very thing. Right. If, if people are out there and you're still hearing this, um, just, we're going to go ahead and end it right now. Just, uh, this will be a good stopping point. Um, and if you can't hear it, it won't matter because you can't hear it. So, uh, we'll just go ahead and end it here and we will, uh, Lord willing, be back on Tuesday at 7.30 to see what y'all has in store. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, You may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.